The Vikings, they end the year with a spanking, fellas. 33-10 to the Packers. Plenty to discuss. We're breaking it all down. It's coming up next on the Locked On Vikings Postcast. You are Locked On Vikings Postcast. Part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Vikings fall to the pack tonight on primetime, 33-10. They are officially booted from the 2023 playoff picture. What's happening, everyone? You got the full four-man crew today. Myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's Ron Johnson. He's on X at three. Ron Johnson, host of the Ron Johnson Show right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. Luke Braun, host of Lockdown Vikings each and every day. He's on X at Luke Braun NFL. And, of course, the maestro, Sam Ekstrom, host of the Minnesota Football Party. Every Monday and Thursday, he's on X at Sam Ekstrom. Before we jump into it, fellas, quick reminder, today's episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. All right, boys, plenty to discuss and hit on from this one. Uh, we always start here, though. Ron Johnson, what's the headline reading tomorrow's paper? Well, what's your biggest takeaway or two from what we just watched unfold? Uh, the Packers are in the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight. They are the 7th C now officially because the Seahawks lost. That is absolute bogus BS. Uh, the Vikings had it for the taking. Right there, Jaron Hall could have been the hero. And he was not, so that's the headline. The Packers are the seventh seed right now. They are in the playoffs. Uh, Luke, same question. Just biggest topics on your mind after what you just watched tonight. Uh, to borrow a phrase from Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings were not their best when their best was required. They no-showed with their backs against the wall. And this is now the second time in, in the season where they faced, or the second season in a row of Kevin O'Connell where they faced an elimination game. One was a playoff game, one was this. And they're not officially eliminated. They can get like four games to go their way and still sneak in. Yeah. But come on. They don't 3% chance. They have a 3% chance. <laughs> hey, it's not zero. The, the toughest uh, one there is going to be the Vikings winning. I mean, yes. the other three yeah. can happen, but the Vikings winning, uh, I don't know. They had an elimination game functionally, and they crapped their pants. They diarrhea like a like a little scared Yorkie. All right? <laughs> like a sick little Yorkie. That was horrible. That was no part of that is excusable. And honestly, I, I wouldn't be mad if I saw, I don't know who's, but heads rolling because that was unacceptable. Yeah, Well said. Well said. Sam, are, are you comfortable giving a fair and accurate assessment of Jaron Hall after tonight? Just knowing how badly the, the offensive line and defense put him behind the eight ball. We'll get into all that. But what do you wake up tomorrow thinking of Jaron Hall's overall game now? And I guess just the Vikings quarterback situation as a whole moving into the offseason. How does tonight's game change yeah. things moving forward? Well, this was the Kirk popularity night, right? Like if you didn't think <laughs> he could be any more popular or beloved than taking his shirt off with chains and blowing mm -hmm. the Galler horn, then we watched the first half. And we watched the previous two weeks with Nick Mullins. And we watched the two weeks before that with Josh Dobbs. The last five weeks, Kirk Cousins, by not doing anything except taking his shirt off and doing some good interviews on the Manning cast and such has bolstered his stock with this fan base so substantially. And we're going to have to think long and hard whether or not that's enough to merit signing him long-term because we've now exhausted all the options. 
They exhausted the veteran quarterback who studied rockets. They've exhausted the veteran quarterback who I love. I love Collinsworth tonight about Mullins saying, yeah, he's crazy, but he's fun to watch. And then we've exhausted the rookie fifth round pick. Um, all None of the options are good. It's a bunch of bad options. Um, it's basically quarterback by committee. I guess you play Mullins against Detroit next week with a, a 3% chance to make the playoffs. But the Vikings do not have their long-term quarterback among the Dobbs-Mullins-Hall triumvirate. If they have one, it's Cousins, and we don't even know if it's Cousins. So right now, the it, it's bleak right now, you guys. I mean, the NFC North... So like the, the Bears are suddenly on the Lions trajectory, winning all these games late season. The Lions are great. The Packers look good. Tough to be a Vikings fan right now. They might finish last in the NFC North. Good. They deserve to. You, Sam? Sam, what was that what? word? Tri- triumphal what? Triumvirate. <laughs> or I could triumvirate. have just said trio. Trio would have been a you know, triumvirate. I think that's way better. To say it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, sorry, we, Luke. We, I didn't know if you had any final thoughts there on that quarterback situation. Stemming off what Sam just mentioned. Also, yeah, I, I, also, Luke saying heads should roll, and we got in the comments there people calling you out for it. I want, I want you to defend that a little bit. Okay, okay, okay. One thing at a time. So, well, for Jaron Hall, yeah, I think you can you can evaluate him a little bit. So here is, I think we got the answer to why Jaron Hall wasn't the guy over Mullins or Dobbs before, right? Which is that the game plan that works for him, the game plan that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, the offense you build for him is a lot of seven step drops, a lot of long play action. We ain't built for that. <laughs> we don't have the dudes for that. We have our best tackle loves to jump set, right? That's a three-step move. That's a five-step move. Maybe seven step play action. That is a great way to make Christian Darisaw look awful. Uh, and he got beat. Not that's not, not to excuse him or anything like that, but that's, that is not the game that this offense is built for. And I think we kind of found that out. So you go back and you say, okay, so did we just kind of see four interceptions and panic? Which, as much as like I've, I love Hall coming out. I've been the biggest Hall guy in the world, and I was asking for him. Um, looking at that Lions game, the piece that I wrote over on Arif's Substack, at least, was I was very unsure if that was really like the right thing to do, and it kind of seemed like there were four really bad plays, and then there were the rest of the plays that were actually really good. Was that the proper move? So I, I think we're just floundering here. Uh, which brings me to, I guess, the second thing, which is, look, I, I don't, I don't think that. Kevin O'Connell's head should necessarily roll. But I definitely think that there are people who, who is the situational game manager. Cause they've been awful at that this year. Mm-hmm. What that, yeah. You know what, what about uh, there are people in, in like there are position groups that have been disastrous all year long. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit. Well, their defensive line coach just dipped. He said, see ya peace out. I'm going to Clemson. That's right. That's right. And, and, and guess what? That unit sucks. They can't get pressure. The yeah, only way but, the Vikings can get pressure all season long was by blitzes. Yeah, right. Yeah, he needs an area or anything. Well, I was going to tell us how you really feel, though. I mean, don't hold back. No filter. Yeah, build a, uh, rock, build rock, a crappy team point. and go play crappy. They've lost one out of their last seven. Or they lost six, lost six out of their last seven. One, one. Not get bad. out of here. This team sucks. Not bad. Ron, yeah, but they got that one, that three nothing in Vegas. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Ron, I mean, Luke's right. We really have seen this entire team unravel the last three weeks when they needed it the most. It's not just a quarterback thing right now. The offensive line, like Luke mentioned, manhandled tonight. The defense is withered away. You're getting 34 yard punts once in a while. What's been the number one problem with this team outside of the obvious quarterback carousel in your mind? 
Uh, I mean, I hate to say it, and it's, it's very uh, cliche, but but health. Like the injuries, sure. the amount of injuries have been crazy. Now, even before the injuries, though, it was the turnovers, like the fumbles, the the lackadaisical plays. Kevin O'Connell kept saying, like, these guys need to take this serious, and I'm going to let them know how serious. Like, you should not have to tell them how serious you are about turnovers. And, and that, to me, just seems like the guys came into this season reading their own headlines, talking about how good they were going to be. In year two of Kevin O'Connell, they were 13-4 and four last year, and I think they felt like – Every game was going to go their way because it did the year before. And again, I think we've talked about this, what, 11 or 12 one-score games or even, right, what, 13 one-score games this year except for this one and the other Packers one. Um, other than that, they've all been one-score games. So mm-hmm. this is a team that could theoretically have been 10-5 and five easily heading into this game, um, but they just couldn't get – they couldn't stop turning the ball over. Uh, other than that, the other thing to me is Kevin O'Connell, um, and I was talking to somebody today at the game – within the organization and they were like they wonder why Kevin O'Connell didn't start the two quarterback system when he was confused so like have Dobbs come in then have Mullins come in have Dobbs come in have Mullins come in and if you know what you're trying to get out of them get those guys in at different times to get different stuff out of them keep the defense on their heels now Dobbs is in you got to prepare for a guy that can run now Mullins is in you got to back up a little bit like it, it doesn't work to leave one end, so you might as well try something. Like it's like spaghetti. Throw it up against the refrigerator, see what sticks, and then eat it. And uh, and that's to me is like the play action to start the game with Jaron uh, Hall. He got what eight yards on it. He never really went back to it seriously again. You should have kept rolling him out, keep him on the move a little bit, let him see what he can get with his legs. If nothing's there, throw the ball. If nothing's there, run and get what you can get. Like just letting him sit back because he kept saying it. Like I'm gonna run the ball just as much as I did with Kirk Cousins. That's a terrible philosophy. You should run the ball way more if Kirk's hurt, and you should let these quarterbacks use their ability a little bit more. And honestly, it should have been Josh Dobbs a long time ago doing way more play action, way more rollouts. And I think that's the other issue with this team. Yeah, six and eight in one-score games this year. 14 one-possession games. That's most in the NFL right now. Back to the quarterback, though, just for a quick second. Forget about Kirk Cousins just for a minute. Between Dobbs, Mullins, and Hall, right? We know Hall. He's back next year, right, on that rookie contract. Dobbs probably going to continue the veteran journey elsewhere, one would assume. Ron, Mm -hmm. do you want or do you think Nick Mullins is back with the team in 2024 after the sample we've gotten? Because, remember, he's the guy who's been here the longest outside of Kirk Cousins as far as these backups goes. He was here the first day KOC got here last year in uh, 2022. No, I don't think so. I would not not want him back. I think you're asking for like clearly he's not a backup that can win you games. So mm-hmm. if I'm gonna if I'm gonna roll the dice, I'm gonna roll the dice with somebody that's gonna fall to me in the draft, like a JJ McCarthy, um, you know, whoever might be there at that spot. I take that guy to see what I have out of him. Uh Jaron Hall, he looked overmatched. The Packers to me weren't a great team, but they were tonight. Like they were the better team. They 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 went after Flores' defense and said, if you can give me a half a second. I will have to make a throw under pressure, but somebody's going to be wide open because these dudes are out there playing cowboy football. And that's what it was. It looked like a bunch of cowboys out there just running around. Nobody knew who to cover. Uh, so if I'm this team, I'm like, let me let me go find somebody in this draft. JJ, like I said, JJ McCarthy. Uh, I mean, there's you like, just want like, JJ to JJ. You want the J Justin <laughs> Jefferson. <laughs> we need to, to yeah, we we need to really lean like, into Jays. That's been where I the been, team has had success. KJ, I even like Drake Drake TJ. May. Like, I like I like Drake May, but I don't know if he'll be there because now his stock is continuing to rise. When all the metrics are showing up, six four, two hundred twenty pounds. Yeah, people are seeing the person now. Overall. 
And they're like, whoa, this Drake May kid is actually pretty big and strong. Like originally it was like, oh, he's not better than Caleb Williams. He's not better than Shadur Sanders. He's not better. You know, he's not a Heisman Trophy winner. But when you look at his body and his size and his ability, I think a lot of these GMs are falling in love with him. So I don't think he'll be there. But I, I think J.J. McCarthy, just because people don't trust what Michigan did with him and they put it on Michigan's run game and defense, I think J.J. McCarthy would be there. And, and Quasey was at that game when he played the Gophers and he was talking to Harbaugh about him. So I don't see why not. If he's there, I take a flyer on him as my backup he, to Kirk Cousins. He could pump up his stock a lot in 24 hours, Ron. Yeah, if, Trump if Trump tomorrow. Big time. I did get a big chance. KJ, KJ Osborne's mom did come talk to me on the sideline because we're both from Detroit. So she came over and talked to me, and she was excited to tell me she was going to the Michigan game tomorrow for the Very Rose Bowl. Cool. And I was like, is your son going? She's like, no, he doesn't care about that. So I know after that <laughs> loss, she is. She cannot wait to go to that airport <laughs> to get to Pasadena <laughs> to watch her Michigan Wolverines play. <laughs> Let me just circle back to this real quick before we hit our first uh, quick commercial break, uh, only because it was brought up, and I want to know Sam's thoughts, because I myself, <laughs> I found myself going back and forth a lot this year when it comes to, okay, how much criticism should KOC take? As opposed to just kind of throwing your hands up and going, all right, this is what you get when you lose your starting quarterback in week eight, not to mention all the other injuries that Ron mentioned that have taken place. Luke told us how he feels. Where do you sit, though, Sam, on the KOC blame meter, let's call it right now? And, and what's maybe one of the biggest things that you think is fair to gripe about when it comes to KOC this year? Yeah, well, this has been an interesting year in the NFL where backup quarterbacks have had, it seems like, some unprecedented success in flashes. Now, the Vikings have learned it's very hard to sustain that, um, and other teams have learned that as well. Um, Tommy DeVito, right, like had his 15 minutes of fame and then got benched for Tyrod Taylor. Like That happens all over the league. Joe Flacco is the, the shining example of a backup that started playing well and kind of sustained it and got better and better with Kevin Stefanski. So it can be done. Like You can take a backup of the right ilk and kind of remake who you are offensively. Um, Joe Flacco does have a Super Bowl, so maybe a little more in the credential department than what the Vikings were dealing with. Um, but it's a crapshoot when you're de dealing with backups. I don't know if the standard can be, well, we're going to barnstorm into the playoffs. I think you hope to, to play 500 football, and the Vikings <clears throat> haven't been able to do that. Um, they've also dealt with an incredible amount of attrition, right? Like, I mean, look at the amount of injuries they've had, and I think we got a little numb to it, but I mean, defensively, they were so thin going into the season, right? Like we said, there's no margin for error. They can't afford to get hurt on defense. And uh, they had a great stretch where the Brian Flores thing was really working. But of late, they haven't done the offense any favors either. The offense didn't have J.J. for so many weeks. Uh, they don't have T.J. Hawkinson. Jordan Addison wasn't 100% tonight. Brian O'Neill missed two games. The offensive line was shuffling around in the middle of the season. All of that stuff happened on a roster that wasn't particularly deep. So I think there were some some inherent challenges with, with the deck that he was dealt. Now, Ron touched on a lot of this. Did he get the most out of those three quarterbacks? Um, I think he was maybe a little too trusting um, of their abilities to, to execute, to get the ball downfield, to do the things that Kirk Cousins did. Didn't simplify things a whole lot didn't work uh the bubble screens the shorts the the quicks like you see a lot of these other quarterbacks doing like Justin Fields beat the Vikings at US Bank Stadium just throwing bit like little bubble screens the whole the entire game right like sometimes that just has to work and he was kind of 
trying to shove a square peg in a round hole at times, it felt like, but he was given a really, really crappy day. Yeah, well said. And, and good topic, by the way. I know we're going to be breaking that down for the next four months this offseason. Uh, I want to talk about some more individual performances from what you guys saw tonight. But first, let's get a quick word from our sponsors over at FanDuel. Guys, don't forget this episode brought to you by FanDuel. Right now, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets when you win just a $5 money line wager. That's $150 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any money line wager. That means next week, you could take the Cowboys over the Commanders, their 13.5-point favorites right now. You bet $5 on Dallas to win straight up. You could win yourself $150 in bonus bets. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action, the app, so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NFL season, and it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Today, America's number one sports book, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, uh, four weeks ago, guys, I came on this postcast and I asked you guys, is this a championship-caliber defense we're watching after that Raiders shutout? Since then, the defense has allowed 22 first downs to the Bengals, 28 to the Lions, 28 tonight. They've allowed over 1,200 yards in the last three games, 6-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio. I think it's safe to say now, guys, this Flores defense, it's been solved. Ron, I'm curious your thoughts. What's been maybe the biggest reason for the collapse in your eyes? Um, so time of possession for the offense, honestly, that's one of them. You put the defense back on the field way too much, um, not sustaining drives, three and outs, turnovers and bad situations. That's part of it. The other part of it, though, is I understand the, the riverboat gambler in Brian Flores, and I understand that, you know, he wants to have a blitz rate that's never been seen before, a defense that's never been seen before. Yeah. Uh, also, what's not being seen is just stopping guys and playing cover two or let's just play cover three and let's make it a little bit simpler sometimes versus always trying to be super tricky. It seems like every time there's a guy looking at another guy in the defensive backfield, like, is that my guy? Is that your guy? Like, what are you doing? And so, in my opinion, I just think like it's OK to be blitz heavy. It's OK to go after. But sometimes you just have to sit back and let four go after them and then let your guys cover like two man. Is nothing wrong with two man with the Tampa two drop linebacker and just rush three or four like, like it, you don't always have to be. And I, and I felt like he got too gimmicky and uh, he he started getting too sexy. Like everybody was talking about him. Now this is the thing though, if he's trying to generate buzz to become a head coach, he had done it. And then I think now, like as you said, like these last couple games, a lot of these owners maybe are like, oh wait a minute, do do we think this can be sustainable? Mm -hmm. um because it doesn't seem sustainable long term it seems like hit or miss and uh yeah i i think he should have had a secondary plan like let me throw a bunch of you know crazy stuff it's like throwing you know grenades in a hole what's your next plan like when mm -hmm. they come out the hole you got to have a secondary attack and he didn't have a secondary attack he threw grenades and then it was like all right we got to duck too because it was bombs Sam, is it Flores or the player personnel? Because I got to tell you, watching guys like, you know, Jalen Williams, Jay Ward, Booth, Asamoah on the field wasn't supposed to be part of the plan this season with so many injuries, wow. though. Backups have been forced to play. That's Flores, the draft class. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. So oh, we'll, it was supposed to be the plan. Oh, we'll get to that. Flores or a talent issue, Sam? What's your just kind of knee-jerk reaction right now? Uh, I think they got a dearth of talent back there. I mean, I think the, the secondary without Byron Murphy, they moved Cameron Bynum to cornerback tonight. Like, that's how desperate they were. I didn't think yeah. that experiment went particularly well. Ron has to bounce. We appreciate Ron Johnson going to do the, the radio. But, um, I mean, you're not super confident going forward in the secondary. I mean, you'd like, you're like your safeties, obviously, but the corners, I think you're kind of shrugging your shoulders about a Caleb Evans right now, Makai um, Blackman. Andrew Booth might be a wash. Um, and you got one more year of Byron Murphy, you know, who was who was quite good this year. But let's also look at the Flores resume now that we've got 16 games. He's got the one, I think, gold medal performance against Purdy and the Niners. Um, but then, you know, I, I think his defense got progressively worse as the quality of quarterback increased. And he was, to his credit, good at stifling bad quarterbacks like Tyson Bagent, Bryce Young, Jordan Love before he figured it out, um, the Jameis Winston-Derek Carr duo, Russell Wilson didn't look very good, Justin Fields didn't look very good, Aiden O'Connell didn't look very good, but when he faced representative quarterbacks in this league, Jalen Hurts, um, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, it didn't go great. So I think this is going to, at the, at the end of the day, it's going to be a Good defense, better than we expected, but maybe not the like all-time great story. Cha not the championship caliber defense, Luke, that you alluded to. I think we've realized that the past three weeks. Yeah, and so Luke, there's I something there, there's something with Flores's defense that I I think isn't really talked about a lot because I think it's a little too inside baseball. But like Flores's defense is predicated on the idea of. We want to blitz 60% of the time and get away with it. It's not that we just want to gamble and live on the edge and all that. We want to get away with this. We want to, we want volume of blitzes. We want a high volume. And to get away with it, we're going to play zone behind it instead of playing, trying to play man-to-man -man with bad corners, right? And that, there, there comes the dearth of talent and stuff. That is what this idea was. And it was very, very cool until it hit Zach Taylor and Ben Johnson and Matt LaFleur. They figured it out. They figured out that you can throw against three deep, two under to the flat all day long. As long as your quarterback can backpedal a little bit, which Jordan Love did a very good job of and throw off his back foot, which he also did a good job of. Um, as long as he can throw a back foot floater to a check down, you'll have it all day long. And you just do that all day long. You don't need to do the bubble screens. You don't need to do the manufactured crap. Just have an outlet, backpedal, and check down. That's how Justin Fields beat the Vikings in, on Monday Night Football on that last drive. Backpedal and float it up. And... All of the last three games have had similar principles totally answering the Flores defense. And to me, this feels like we're watching a 2008 Dolphins Wildcat thing on defense mm. where they came up with something really cool and it worked for a while and then someone figured it out and, and then everyone went, all right, that's not actually a sustainable strategy. And, and when I did my big breakdowns of it in November, um, my point was, okay, this is a cool idea. This is the thesis to it. Someone's going to crack the nut. It's the NFL. Someone always cracks the nut. Can you come up with a counterpunch that keeps this thing alive? The answer to that has been an emphatic no. So mm -hmm. whether or not, I mean, the, the reason we're in this is because we don't have any talent on defense because our we have one good corner and it's Byron Murphy and he's hurt. Like they designed this going, okay, we got to make this work with like Josh Metellus and, and a Caleb Evans. Yeah. Uh, 
they, like they came up with that from the from the outset. So the question was always going to be if they could find a way to counterpunch when someone figures them out. And that's been a no. I think a good segue there, too. I think a big question this offseason is going to be oh, what yeah. happened to that first draft class. Scene, Asamoah, Booth. I just mentioned all these backup guys are playing. And even with that, that, that dearth of injuries that you guys mentioned, none of those guys have really made a sliver of impact this year. Now, So now you go into year three, though, thinking what? Like, are you... Re- are you guys ready to raise the white flag, I guess, which doesn't even need to be said how much of a giant dent I think that would put on Kwesi's resume? Or are you guys still holding out hope for any one of those guys that maybe they can still turn things around and make a you know the proverbial substantial leap in year three? Either one of you guys, I'm curious. Those guys were doomed as soon as they moved on from the Fangio scheme. Those guys were, were drafted, drafted into a Fangio a scheme. scheme. They were drafted for a scheme that is predicated on soft coverage and then rallying and tackling. So the fact that somebody like Lewis seen is an inconsistent tackler, that somebody like Asamoah is an inconsistent tackler wasn't a big deal to that because you yeah, there's going to be a bunch of guys around the ball, right? We can maybe get some value by getting guys that will drop down the board because they might have a tackling issue and then cover it up schematically. That was the idea. Crashed and burned, failed horribly. Well, now they're in a scheme where everybody has to tackle. <laughs> yeah, man, they're not going to get reps. Troy dies better at that. I, I would I would venture to say that if there's another Flores flaw, I think I'm not sure he has time for you if you don't fit exactly what he wants. I don't know if he's going to short leash sit for sure sit and develop. I think you that's know, everybody like, I, agree. I I think you got to coach. I think you got to coach guys up a little more. I think you got to find 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 a way. Mike Tomlin, like th- hear him talk about coaching young guys who can't do something. Um, the way you want them to. That's just not an option. And the Steelers never have losing seasons. Like they just, they get better and better yeah. and better, even though they're kind of anonymous, like a lot of times. Um, So I don't know if I'm, I, I don't know if I'm ready to wave the white flag, Luke. Historically, you don't see a lot of third year guys that have done nothing suddenly turn into something, but you know, maybe we have to lower the expectation. Um, In some, in some of those cases, like Lewis seen, I'm not upset because they have great safeties. If it's Andrew Booth, I'm bummed out there because Andrew Booth has certainly had plenty of opportunities. There's been plenty of need for good cornerback play. And Brian, what happened to Brian Asamoah? That is probably my biggest head scratcher. That Troy Die was ahead of him on the depth chart. Like that can't tackle. Just un- got to tackle. Yep. Clearly. Yep. Solid. Yep. Um. Again, guys, we got a long off season to really hammer a lot of those topics and plenty more. I got two more good quickies. I want to, I want to finish with here right after I tell you about lockdown sports, Minnesota. Quick reminder, guys, when you subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron, they're talking football every day in the Ron Johnson Show. Ben Beacon, talking Wolves on Lockdown Timberwolves. And myself and Jack Borman giving you instant analysis and immediate reaction following every Wolves game on the Lockdown Wolves postcast. Subscribe to the free Lockdown Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. Drop us that five-star review or Find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel and find all our daily shows for free at your fingertips any day, anytime. 
All right. I, I know we're not to the offseason yet. It's hard not to immediately start to go there mentally, though, after tonight. Outside of Kirk Cousins and the whole quarterback position, what's the number one question you have for this front office? Or, or what's the number one priority you are circling on the depth chart? Sam, start with you. How are you allocating your money? Because I think you've got minimum three clear areas where you are going to be compelled to spend massive dollars. Can you do all of it? Can you do all of it and then have it come at the expense of the rest of the roster? Um, Because there's going to be public pressure to do all of it. I mean, there's going to be certainly JJ, number one, most obvious expense. Number two, Daniil Hunter, second most obvious expense. And if not Daniil, a pass rusher that is equally as costly. Uh, and then the, the more ambiguous one that we just we don't know what the future holds, the quarterback. Um, a lot of money could be spent this offseason. Um, how are you? And so those are three key areas, but there's still a lot more holes. Mm-hmm. Cornerback, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, mm-hmm. you've got issues on this team. For, fortunately, I think they are set relatively at tackle. Um, at, not even relatively. They are set at tackle. Running back, you need to figure out, like, how are they going to spend this offseason? You got to fix the defensive line. They had one good edge rusher all year. Yeah. Luke, biggest question, top priority, first thoughts. I, I imagine quarterback is too boring an answer. Because, <laughs> like, to answer all those questions that Sam posed, which are all valid, you first have to figure out who is our quarterback. Are we doing the Kirk thing? Are we drafting someone? That will determine the shape of, of all of this. Because kind of like we saw tonight, the offense with somebody who's like Jaron Hall is a different offense than the offense with somebody who's like Nick Mullins is different than the one who's like Josh Dobbs, right? Like that was a good example to kind of see just how different offensive structures can ask different things of different players. And so if you want to go find a serious version of, of any of those three guys, right? Like a serious play action guy, like kind of what golf is or a serious, uh, you know, read option guy, like a, like a better Dobbs, right? Maybe you're going to try to trade for Kyler Murray or something like that. Whatever that is, is a different off, a different offense and, and will require different players and will make you make different decisions on whether or not you cut Garrett Bradbury, for, for example, who has a fairly cuttable contract. But here's what I'll tell you now. Not for 2024, which they've got some holes. They've got some stuff to do. We'll figure it out. 2025, one year out. How many players do you think the Vikings have who will be on the roster under contract with a cap hit higher than $4 million? Hmm. Uh, you, you're not allowed to look it up. Take a guess. Um, Oliver, Her- Harry, Harrison, tell me if I'm right. Uh, like on uh, guesses. Harrison is one. Yes. Oliver hey. is one. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, Phillips, O'Neal, Phillips expires next year. It does. Phillips okay. will be gone. Mm-hmm. O'Neal is o- another one. O'Neal. And I'm going to say that is it. Almost. You still got Hawkinson. Oh, Hawk. Hawk. Yeah, Hawk. Yeah. And, Brad, uh, and Bradbury. Bradbury. Bradbury and Josh Metellus barely makes it. So that's one, two, oh, three, wow. four, five, six players under contract two years from now that are like actual players. The rest of them are rookie. Six players. You have no commitment to anything. Commit to something, Quasey. Justin Jefferson, not on that list right now. Daniil Hunter, not on that list right now. Cornerstone players. So commit to something. Whatever you have right now, we live in this world of temporariness where everything is like a one or two year deal and everything is not really a commitment and everything's got commit to something, build, figure out what you're going to build and commit to it. 
because otherwise you're just going to let all the talent walk out of this building and uh, we'll, we'll suddenly we'll be looking like the Carolina Panthers did. Okay, all right. Things are getting too bleak for me. Last one. We're not ending the year on a down note. I need to lift this thing up, find some purple positivity here. Rapid fire, give me one thing you were excited about this year or one thing you're pumped about with this team moving forward. One guy you think that really shined this year compared to expectations. Glass half full, Vikings 2023 edition. Sam, let's start with you. Um. Looking ahead to 2024, I'm just excited for the process, right? I don't know if there's a lot, like we've talked about how the NFC North is catching up to them. They're passing them and the future might look bleak. There's no commitments. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Pets heads are falling off. They went two and six at home this year. <laughs> Packers just blew them out, but there's nothing better than the buildup. Luke Inman, you're going to have the draft order memorized in the top hundred prospects memorized in like two months. That's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. schedule release is going to be fun the draft is going to be fun and we're going to talk ourselves into 10 and 7 again next year that process is going to be great we'll be out at training camp before you know it so unless the miracle happens next week they're not a playoff team hey there is still reason to pop there it is the proverbial <laughs> champagne let's see how on. long this takes we got 90 seconds let's see how long this takes while he's popping the bubbles luke one thing Trent k in the chat took mine Jordan Addison, and Jordan in Addison, general, maybe. maybe a broader thing. It's a good destination for a quarterback, right? You've got Absolutely. JJ, you've got Jordan Addison, you've got TJ Hawkinson. If he's back, there it is. Woo! Happy Great New Year, everybody. There. Great uh, almost exactly if you're on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, they, they have a setup offensive line that's going to be fairly continuous. Yeah. Maybe you like change Bradbury out with somebody else if you want to do that, but you're going to be making small time changes, right? Maybe a couple guys on the interior, but you're going to have the same tackles, which is huge for a quarterback. It's a good spot for a quarterback, whoever that is, they will be set up to be the best version of themselves. Well said, well said. Vikes can't wait for this ball to drop. Get a fresh start in 2024. They fall to the Packers tonight, 33-10, and officially get booted from the 2023 playoffs coming off that magical 13-4 and run. Boy, that feels like a long time ago. Now, rest assured, we'll be back breaking it all down each and every week right here on the Locked on Sports Minnesota channel. Ron Johnson on the Ron Johnson Show every Tuesday. And, of course, the Minnesota Football Party uh, every Monday and Thursday, myself, Sam, Luke, Arif Hassan. Plus, you can check out Luke's podcast every day, Locked On Vikings podcast as well. Huge shout out. Look at the comment section blowing up, guys. Huge shout out. And thank you to everyone who joined us on the postcast and just stuck it out with us all year long. Another reminder, make sure you go like and subscribe the channel so you catch all our shows. That's going to do it for us. Follow us on X at Luke underscore Spinman, at 3Ron Johnson, at Luke Brown NFL, at Sam Ekstrom for Ron, Sam, and the two Lukes. Wishing you guys a safe and happy new year. Until next time, signing out.